Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. I have to find one sinner, then I have two illustrations, then I have four points, and then, this is the order tonight, find one sinner, two illustrations, four points, and then a gospel demonstration, and then we'll go. Seems like we could get that done in about, I don't know, an hour and a half or so. And, uh, okay, we, we won't do that. First, I need to find a sinner in order to give the gospel to. And um, lucky for us, there's a room full of people that we, so we took a vote and John Batora won. So, John, I'm going to invite you. I'm going to invite you here to the platform. John, come on, come on. Don't look at me like that. Come on, come on, come on. Everybody welcome John. He definitely needs to be saved. And I know many people in the church have been praying for John's conversion, and tonight we're hopefully we'll have a breakthrough. And uh, of course, I'm just teasing John, but John's going to be our guinea pig. He's going to sit right here on the couch. We're going to be we'll be family tonight, okay, John? And uh, so John's our sinner that we're going to give the, the 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 gospel presentation to. Two two stories, two stories. All right. So one sinner, two illustrations, four points. All right. Two stories. Whenever it comes to sharing the gospel with someone, right? Whenever it comes to presenting the gospel to someone, we should always ask ourselves, what is needed to be understood in order to be saved? So what does the Bible say? That someone needs to know in order to be saved. Because one of the things that keeps us from presenting the gospel Sometimes we tell ourselves things like, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a Sunday school teacher, I'm not a deacon, I don't, I don't know all the verses, I don't know all the things to say, I don't, know all the, I don't know all the fancy arguments, I don't know the way down the Romans road, I don't know all these things. And so we, we talk ourselves out of even beginning a conversation with someone about sharing the Lord Jesus Christ with them. And so what's needed to be known for someone to be saved. The Bible speaks to that. simply says this, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. This is it. No, there's certainly more to that than believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You can't tell me it's that easy. Well, it's easy for, for us. It certainly wasn't easy for Jesus, right? So, Really, what is needed in someone's life in order for them to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus? Right? What, what, what needs to happen? Well, they need to know the person, the work, the character, the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, well that's a lot to know. Well, really, it's actually one verse. John chapter 3, verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, how many of you know that verse? Let me see. How many of you know the verse? John 3, 16. Oh, come on now. You can do better than that with the hand raised. I know it's Sunday night. I know we're in a Baptist church, but you can do better than this. Some of you just went like this. Okay. How many of you know that verse? Let me see. Okay, good. Wonderful. So all of us then, all of us then can share the gospel with someone. 
He said, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't know about all these. What about the arguments they may have? And, and what about different ideas about Christianity they, they might have gathered along the way? What about things in our cultural structure? And, and what about, what about the, the sin they have in their life? And, and, and what about this relationship or that relationship? And what about these things, right? And sometimes if we aren't careful, sometimes we allow all those other man, what ifs to keep us from doing the very simple thing that we know we should do. That is simply sharing the message of the Lord Jesus Christ with people in our hearts and with people in our lives. So let's, let's keep it very simple that way, all right? So two stories. John is, uh, for the last several weeks, he's been my soul winning partner on, uh, on Saturday. How many of you had the opportunity to go with us on the B1 of 50? How many of you have gone out? We've had a wonderful time. So John and I have gone uh, each week together. And uh, John is a wonderful soul winner. He does a great job of presenting the gospel. And uh, I got to tell you a story from yesterday. We, we go to the door. It's, it's Jesse, my youngest son, John, and myself. We go to the door. John knocks on the door. And, you, you know, it's one of those screens that you can't see through. So he knocks on the door. And you don't know if it's open or closed. And immediately on the other side, this lady begins yelling at John. He, she says, I already know about the Lord Jesus. I think Jesus would let people sleep on Saturday. Right? It's pretty, maybe Jesus would have let people sleep. I'm not for sure. Never actually, I weigh that out. Perhaps he did take a nap in the back of the boat, you know. And uh, she goes, and, and what was he doing eating with, with um, harlots and, and prostitutes and, and sinners? Now, why was he hanging around with those kind of people? And, and what do you think happened to the families and the wives and the children of the, of the people who left their work in order to follow him? Okay, so, so me... A very non-confrontational person at that point. I was kind of backing down the steps. I'm like, okay, John, she clearly does not want to hear anything we have to say. And John says, well, Jesus ate with them because Jesus came to seek and to save those which were lost. Have a great day, ma'am. Right? And he puts his truck on the door and he turns around and walks away. I'm way up the sidewalk. I'm running at this point. I just left John. This is not the Navy SEALs. We will leave a man behind. I have no problem with that, right? John, John leaves the track. God bless you, man. You have a great day. And we kind of moved on to the next house. And then this lady comes out the door. She begins following us. She's yelling at us, you know, and Jesse's up in front of me. And Jesse's like, oh, wow, Dad, what's happening? And he said, keep walking. Keep, just, just go, you know. And uh, me and John are pretending like we don't hear her. And I'm just like, oh, you know. And we're, I don't know, maybe... 25 yards or so in front of her. And we cross the street, and John says, you know, we're going to have to turn around. And I go, we don't know. We don't. We don't have to turn around. Just, just, keep, just keep walking, right? You know, it's all you have to do. Just keep walking. He goes, no, we're going to have to turn around at some point. Said, okay, fine. So we turn around. And as soon as we turn around, she stops on the other side of the street. She takes her track, and she rips it up like this, and she throws it at us. Right? And, and she's saying things we don't know. And I just said, God bless you, man. We did not mean to trouble you today. God bless you. I hope you have a great day. And she's like, I am going to have a great day. You have a great day. I'm like, okay, okay, fine. We'll, we'll both have a great day. So she goes back and our other soul winning partner team was Sal and Eli. And they've yet to pass her house. And so she rips up the truck, she throws it, she turns, and immediately Sal and Eli are coming right at her. And I look at John like, we got her sandwiched. Yes, you know. <laughs> Sal and Eli politely step to the side. They go around her. She goes back to her house. So we get we go home that afternoon for lunch, and I tell a man, I'm like, wow, you know, we had a very eventful day. Most of the people we talked to were very kind. I don't know about your uh, 
sharing the gospel with folks' experiences, but most of the experiences that we have here at the church with sharing the gospel to people are, are very well received. I said, but we did have a very interesting lady today who decided she did not want our materials, and she ripped them up into really tiny pieces, and she threw them at us. And Amanda goes, was that on, you know, Orange Street and whatever? And I said, uh, yeah, that's right where we were. She goes, that's funny. She said, we were the soul winning team that was going the other direction on that street, and we saw all kinds of little pieces of the track ripped up and thrown on the floor, and we thought, who would have ripped up one of our tricks? I'm like, it was all John's fault. He provoked this lady and he got her so angry and mad. This is not the way most soul winning experiences go. It is true that there are times in certain seasons, certain places, where when we give the gospel to someone, they reject the gospel totally. They have nothing to hear about the gospel. They don't even want to give the time of day. Maybe this is not most people. So we should be careful about projecting forward or into our gospel presentations the idea that every person we talk to is going to be like that. Okay, story number two. I think the first week we went, it was uh, uh, John, uh, Brother Fletcher, Dwight, and myself. We were uh, the four in the car. We pull up to the street and... Um, we, we, we find a place to park, we jump out, and we're going to go down a few blocks and then turn around and come up, and we're going to you know, get back in the car, head back home. So we get off, and the, fir- the very first house we come to is a very polite gentleman sitting on the sidewalk there. We, you know, hey, excuse us, we just want to leave an invitation with you to, to church, and uh, we don't know if you have a church you go to, but we'd love to, we'd love to invite you to ours. We feel like it's the best one around, and uh, he was very polite, very interested, talked about the church for a little bit, said... He went to church for a little while, and, um, and he had his kids there, so we didn't want to interrupt him, so we kind of left it at that, and we went our way. The next Sunday, that was Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning comes, and I meet a lady standing out here in the breezeway, and uh, her name is Annabelle, and she says, uh, two very nice, very handsome gentlemen, this is how I know it was my group, very handsome gentlemen came, came by my house, talked to my husband, and gave us an invitation to church, and I decided that that was the kind of church I wanted to go to. And that's, the, that's far and above, generally, the response that we get. And so before we have a conversation about the gospel, this is what we have to do. We have to deconstruct a lot of things in our minds that keep us from ever even engaging in a conversation about the gospel. There are people in our lives who are hurting. There are people in our lives who are frustrated with where they are in life. Maybe they're scared about a diagnosis they received. Maybe they got some bad news. Maybe they're just looking for answers. There are all kinds of people in your life and in mine just like that. And we have opportunities in order to give the gospel to them, and yet so many times... Before we ever even get to that point, we've had this long reasoning in our own mind that's kept us from ever even sharing the gospel with someone. Okay, so those are the two illustrations. Four points, okay? How how should we go about giving the gospel to somebody? Your four ideas. Number one, and I want you to write these down. Number one, we should pray. We should pray. 
we should pray. That God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is what God wants. God wants people to be saved. God wants people to believe on Him. And God is still saving and redeeming people to Himself. Right? So the, the, the goal of sharing the gospel with someone is that we get to be a part of what God is doing. God is leading people to Himself. God is saving people. God is a redeeming God. God is offering eternal life to all those who believe. God is doing these things currently, actively. God is doing this. And so the idea of sharing the gospel with someone is simply coming into what God is already doing. Yeah, I'm going to take all the pressure off in just a minute, and here's, here's the pressure. You and I can save no one. You and I can save no one. If someone's eternity rests in me saving them, then they're in trouble. And how many of you understand and agree with that, right? We, we don't do the saving. God does. So we should make it a point to spend time in prayer for our families, for our friends, for our coworkers, for people in and out of our lives, that we should spend time asking God, God, would you please give me the opportunity to talk to him or to talk to her about this or about you? In a lot of ways, this is, I was talking with somebody earlier this afternoon, in a lot of ways, this is, this is an area of my life that I envy about you. I envy the idea that you spend the bulk majority of your day, of your time at work or at school with people who do not know the Lord. I mean, I, I spend a good deal of, of time with people who are at least far from the Lord, but they do know the Lord, right? People like Michael, Raphael, Derek, right? Certainly far from, but they do know the Lord, right? This is the, the bulk majority of my day is spent with our staff, or church people. And yet God has given you a very unique opportunity. God has put you at a factory or in a job, at an office. God has put you in a, a class, a, a fool, surrounded by people who do not know him. And you have a wonderful opportunity to be a witness for the Lord in that place. Right? So we should pray and we should ask the Lord, God, use me. As I go about my day, as I do my work, as I study my classes, God, use me and give me the opportunity to speak for you or about you to them. God, I know you want to save people, and I know you want people redeemed to yourself, and I know that your will is for people to be saved. And God, I would love to be a part of that. Very, very pointed question was asked to me at a recent pastor's conference, if everyone in your church, if everyone in your church witnessed to the same amount of people that you have this last year, how many conversions would take place in your church? 
That's a great question. It's a very pointed question for pastors. That's a great question for us. The Sunday night crowd. If everyone in our church witnessed as much as we do, how much witnessing would be done in our world, in our city? It's a tough question. Man, we should ask the Lord to give us opportunities in order to talk to others about him. Question number two, or, or point number two, we should seek for opportunities to talk about the Lord. We should look for it. You should look for opportunities to talk about the Lord. If the conversation about God or, or Christmas or Thanksgiving or, or blessings, if this comes up, we should, we should be the first to speak up. We should be the first to say something. We should be the first to engage in that, right? We should look for opportunities, seek, look for opportunities to talk about the Lord. We should, we should not shy away from that. We should ask the Lord to give us boldness that when opportunities to speak for him or about him to our friends and family, when those opportunities arise, Lord, give me the courage and the boldness to speak. Right? Give me the courage and the boldness to speak. I think most people are probably like this, right? This is, I'm, I'm wired this way. Well, if I'm not asked, well, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to inject, right? And yet, I'm not saying we look for opportunities to, sell, to tell someone that they're wrong. I'm not saying we look for opportunities to point someone's sin out to them. I'm not saying we look for opportunities to talk about their life choices or lifestyles. I'm not saying we look for opportunities to insult anyone. I'm saying we should look for opportunities, hear me, to talk about the Lord. What's needed for salvation? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's needed for salvation. Okay, so we're trying to get into conversations about what life choices they made or, or uh, what life stage they're in or what their entertainments are or are not. That's, not, that's, that's all secondary. Okay, what's, what's primary is that my friend, coworker, family member comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Right? You don't get clean and then come to Jesus. The way you get clean is you come to Jesus. That's how it happens. If you reverse that, that's works salvation, right? I did all these things in my life first, and now Jesus is ready to accept me, right? So we should seek or look for opportunities in order to just talk about the Lord. Right? In order to talk about the Lord, we want to talk about him. Number three, we should invite. We should invite. And we should invite, invite what? Invite who? Okay, well, we should invite the lost to, or, or the unchurched, to church services. We should invite. Is it, use the hooks that are already in the water, right? Use what's already there. Man, we have a Christmas musical coming up. Use it. Use it. Well, you know what? I just get sick and tired of people who only go to church on Christmas and Easter. I don't get sick and tired of that at all. I love it. If people only go to church at Christmas and Easter, well, then let's make sure we have the right church service waiting for them when they come, right? And then if people only go on Christmas and Easter, well, then let's make sure we invite all of our coworkers to come with us to our Christmas service before they get invited to go to somebody else's, right? So use opportunities that are already there, right? You should come and you should, you should, you should hear the Christmas music that our choir does, 
You should come and you should be a part of that. That's a, don't you love Christmas music? I do too. It's a wonderful thing to sit and sing Christmas carols together and listen to Christmas songs as they're sung. The only people who don't like Christmas music are the Grinch and the Deacons. Other than that, everybody else loves it. So we should use, okay, I was just joking about the Deacons, all right? We should use every opportunity. Anniversary Sundays, Easter's, big days, special occasions, baptism services, etc., etc. We should use all these opportunities as a way to invite people to come to church, okay? Use those opportunities. Use them. That's what they're there for. We should, so we should invite others to come. Also, we should invite the spiritual leaders in our life to come and participate for us. I'll never forget, Amanda will immediately begin laughing when I tell this story. I'll never forget being invited to someone's birthday party. And they said, Pastor, I want you to come to, I want you to, come to my birthday party, and I'm going to invite several of my neighbors to be there with me, and, and it's going to be a great time. I said, great, I'll be there. Well, that was all that he told me. He didn't tell me anything else. So I, I get to the birthday party. We eat some cake. We all kind of make our way into the living room. Everybody sits down. You know, the, uh, the person who invited us he's, you know, opens what few gifts are brought to him. And then he says, now at this time, my pastor is going to take this opportunity to share a devotional thought from God's Word. I am? <laughs> well... This, this is interesting. I'm now put on the spot. I have prepared nothing, right? Uh, well, thank you. Happy birthday, brother so-and-so. You're a blessing. You know, birthdays, that reminds me of, man, being born. I'm just, I'm rambling at this point. I say, it's like in the Bible about the man named Nicodemus. Jesus says, you must be born again. My wife goes, <laughs> I look at Amanda. <laughs> okay. She's like, this is interesting. I'm like, oh, okay, you know. So I, I end up giving the gospel. It's this weird approach. I get to the car. Man, I'm, it's like 100 degrees. That's how I feel. It's the middle of winter, but it's actually 100. I'm like, whoo. She get in the car. I said, that was a disaster. She goes, yes, it was. So from that, every, every time now, somebody goes, hey, pastor, we want you to invite you over to our birthday party. And I'll tell Amanda, hey, we've been invited to a birthday party. She goes, is this a Nicodemus birthday party? I'm like, no. There's no Nicodemus happening here. Okay, so we should invite spiritual leaders in order to have a say, in order to have an occasion to speak for us on their behalf, right? But if you do that, give them a warning. Okay, tell them in advance, hey, you're coming to my company Christmas party, and we want you to give the gospel while you're there. Oh, okay, now the pastor can prepare. He can have, he can have something other than just a random Nicodemus born-again birthday speech, right? Which was completely a debacle. Okay, so invite, invite, invite spiritual leaders into that. If, you, if you're not comfortable with it, if, you're com if your company has a Christmas party, you're not comfortable being the one that speaks up or speaks out, well, then invite somebody else to come and speak up and speak out. Okay? Use those opportunities. And last one, here we go, ready? Share. Okay, so Pray, seek, invite, and share. Actually take time to share the gospel. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you before we get into dealing with John. Here's what I'm going to tell you, okay? There's no, there's no magical formula, okay? 
No, there's no magical formula. You, you, you read conversion testimonies in the Bible, and you'll see God bringing people to Himself through a variety of ways. It's just amazing sometimes to listen to somebody's salvation testimonies say things like, how did you hear about Jesus? Tell me about when you believed on Jesus. Man, some people, it was uh, individual personal conversation in their living room. Some people it was uh, uh, at a church service. Some people it was, you know, through a loved one they knew. Some people it was through, you know, a mom or a dad. Some people it was, well, I was a little kid in Sunday school. It, there's, there's, no, there's no set formula, one, two, three, pray after me, and now you're saved. No, that, doesn't, that doesn't exist. It's a personal relationship with the Lord, and we should be careful in saying, well, here's the formula that you have to use in order to lead somebody to the Lord, because that doesn't exist. Okay? But there are wonderful strategies. I'm going to use one today. There are wonderful strategies that you can use in order to introduce somebody to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them. This is not the only strategy. Okay? So if you're leading, consistently leading people to the Lord, and, and I do this in a way that you don't do, don't change your ways. Oh, a pastor said we have to do it this way. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, is, this is a way. This is a singular approach for which we could use. It doesn't have to be the way, but it is a way that you can use. But we should all be using some way. Okay? We should all be using some way. We make... These gospel tracks, how many of you have seen these in the hallways or on the welcome table? How many of you have seen these? How many of you are still awake? Just making sure. Check, checking on you. Okay, we make these available, and we do a great job of going through these, but we make these available for you, not so you can just put them in your glove box. Okay, it's not what, it's not what they're just, they're not, that's, all, that's not all they're for. But we make them available right, as, a, as a means, as a tool to put in your hand. On, on the back of these, the gospel tracks, there is the gospel presentation. Right? On the back of these is a gospel presentation. This is, on the back of here, are a lot of the verses that you might remember or know that's called the Romans Road. How many have ever heard that before, the Romans Road? Let me see, raise your hand. Oh, not as many as I thought. And the, the Romans Road is simply the, the path through the book of Romans it highlights several different stops in a said book. The book of Romans highlights several different stops along the way, individual verses that help us come to an understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. And so that's, that's what we'll use tonight. I'll just use the back of a gospel track. If, if you want to use a track, great. Some of you have your own design track. You have your own little pamphlet that you use. Some people, how many of you remember the wordless book? How many of you remember using that before? Let me see, raise your hand. Remember, how many of you have no idea what the wordless book is? Let me see, raise your hand. Oh my goodness. Man, we need to, we need to use that. Michael, make a note of that. We need to get the wordless book out. We'll have a, a time where we teach about that. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, the wordless book is all you need to lead somebody to the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Wordless book is all you need to lead somebody to the Lord. Actually, he called the wordless book the greatest tool for evangelism that he's ever known. Isn't that, isn't that unbelievable? And think about how many people in this room don't even know what it is. It's amazing. You know, the wordless book is it's just that. It's a book 
without words. Just this nice little book, a little pamphlet. You can Google search it. It's a nice little, maybe, maybe that's what it should be. It should be the Google book now, right? Maybe that's how we should call that. It's, it's just colors, and each color represents a, represents a different thing. Color black represents sin, so you have a conversation about sin. Color red represents Jesus down on the cross, shedding his blood on our behalf. Just similar to what we'll do tonight, but that's, that's the wordless book. It, it's a wonderful tool. You should look it up. We, we need to order some. It'd be a, be a great thing to talk through. A wordless book. There's all kinds of different strategies, okay? So this is, what I'm going to do tonight is just, is just one, okay? So John is our sinner. How many of you feel like I've picked a good sinner? Let me see. Okay. Now you know what everybody in the church thinks about you, John. Okay, so what my approach is with somebody who's lost, the first thing I do is I take my Bible and I hit them over the head. No, that's not, that's not what we do, all right? That's not what we do. I don't, I don't believe that you ought to be caustic. I don't, I don't believe you ought to be angry. I don't, I don't believe that you ought to be rude. I don't, I don't believe that that ought to happen at all. I don't believe that the Lord Jesus deals with us in that way. I don't believe that we should deal with those in our lives that way. I believe we should be patient. I believe we should be kind. I believe we should be willing to answer questions. I believe we should be willing to share the gospel with folks. And this is how I always start the gospel. This is how I always start my gospel presentation with someone. Okay? So I'm going to tell you how I get into it. We'll go over the verses, and then we're, we'll, we'll be done, okay? So here's, here's how I always get into it. John, if you were to die today and stand at heaven's gates, and God were to look at you and say, why should I let you in? What would your answer be? That's the question I always start with. Hey, you, you may start with a different question. Hey, you may say, do you know 100% for sure today that if you died, that you'd go to heaven? That might be the question you use. Maybe, maybe you say, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Right. I, I use the question that I just did. John, if you were to die today, stand at heaven's gates, God were to look at you, say, why should I let you in? I use that question because that question is a little bit more difficult to fake. Right? You say, if you know you're talking to a Christian and a Christian says to you, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Uh, if it gets me out of this conversation... Yes, right? And it's, you gotta fake your way through the conversation. Oh, he said yes. Uh, all right, good. Now let's turn on the football game. You know? the, the, question, the, the question, if you were to die today, stand at heaven's gates, God would have looked at you, say, why should I let you in? Well, that question requires some thought, doesn't it? Let me tell you how most people who I asked that question to, let me tell you how most people, as a matter of fact, a fellow by, I think his name was Kevin, uh, this, two weeks ago, standing at his door, I, I, asked, I asked that man, Kevin, I asked him that very question. And uh, he said, well, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, mean, uh, I would say to God, uh, you should let me in because, you know, I mean, I've been a good person. I go to church and I'm, 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 I'm religious. Is that the right answer? So, if John would say, John, give me, give me Kevin's answer, okay? John, if you were to die today, and you were to stand at heaven's gates, and God were to say, why should I let you in, what would your answer be, John? Uh, I'm a good person, and uh, I, I mean, I, I do right most of my life. Uh, I think I can get in heaven. Yeah. Wrong! <laughs> I always feel like if you scream wrong at them like that, it's, it just leads right... No... No, that's not, how you, that's not how you handle somebody. That's not what you would want somebody to say to you. Hey, hey, hey you're wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. <clears throat> no, I'm not going to do that. No. 
And John, that's, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. And a lot of people think that. That's, that's how I respond. There's a lot of people that think that, John. But you know, that's, that's actually not the answer in the Bible. Did you know that? No. Yeah. The Bible has an answer that you, you have to give to the Lord, and there's only one. And John, I would love to take a few minutes and show you that. Could I do that? Just a few. Just a few. All right. I feel like that was a shot, John. <laughs> Let me just squeeze right in here, okay? All right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to use the back of the track, and I'm just going to walk right through these verses, okay? I'm going to walk right through these verses with John. Now, John, this is a track that our church, print, that our church present, prints out, and these are different verses in the Bible. Now, you have a Bible there, and that's wonderful. And, you know, if you want to, we can walk through and we can look at those verses. But uh, if it's okay with you, we'll just use the back of this. Would that be okay? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. fine. The Bible says, about having a relationship with the Lord, the Bible says this. That the first thing that you must do is realize that God loves you, John. John, do you know God loves you? Uh, I'd like to believe so. Yeah. Well, look at the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse number 16. You've probably heard of that verse, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John, do you know that's how much God loves you, that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you? Do you know that? I do now. Yeah. Look at this, John. You know why God sent Jesus? No. Look at the verse. John, Romans chapter 3, verse number 23. For all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. You know, John, because of our sin, we couldn't, we couldn't get into heaven. John, do you think God, you think God's perfect? Yes. Yeah, that's what makes him God, right? Yeah. And so because God is perfect, right, man, only in heaven can perfection exist. Now, John, are you perfect? No. No, not me neither. And that's what the verse tells us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. John, you know what a sin is? Uh, something you do wrong. Something you do wrong. John, you ever done anything wrong? Yes. Yeah. How many of you know anything wrong John's done? <laughs> if you'll send that to Pastor Delaney at... No, I'm just teasing. No, John, we've all done wrong. John, you know, even me. There's been times in my life I've done things that are wrong. Hey, I mean, you're my family. I mean, you know I'm not perfect. But the Bible teaches us that there's nobody perfect except one. Did you know that? There's only one perfect person. It wasn't you. It wasn't me. But it was the Lord Jesus Christ. So John, look what it says. Realize that God loves you. God loves you, and that's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. Jesus was sent to die on the cross because we've sinned, and we've all come short of the glory of God. Now that phrase, come short of the glory of God, what that means is we just don't measure up. I mean, you could be good. You can go to church. You can do all those things that you just said, but that doesn't make you perfect, does it? And John, even if you could do all the things that you're supposed to do from now on, could you undo all the bad stuff you've already done? No. No. So look at this. The Bible says this, John. Sin has a price that must be paid. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin, what's that word? Death. Is death. The wages of sin is death. John, a wage, you know what a wage is. It's a payment, right? You work a job. You get paid, hopefully, more than minimum wage, right? So we could change the word wage to the word payment. For the payment of sin is death. And John, this is why we die, right? Death was not a part of God's plan. It wasn't a 
part of the original picture. But because of sin in our lives, sin has a consequence. That consequence is death, John. Oh, that's pretty bad news, right? So far, only bad news. You're a sinner. You're not perfect. You can't go to heaven where God is perfect, and you're going to die, right? But don't worry. We're getting to the good news. Here it is. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, God gave us a gift. And the gift that God gave to you and to me was his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God freely offered that gift. Now, John, if this was a gift and was wrapped up and it said, to John from Dave. And I said, John, you, you want this gift? What would you have to do to take this gift? Just grab it. Just, just grab it. If I said, uh-uh, before you do that, John, I'm going to need $75 from you. I, I have this gift, but I need $75. It, is that a gift? No. No, that's not a gift. No, that's something you then bought, you earned, you worked for. So if salvation is something that we can just buy or earn or work for, well, then is salvation a gift? No. No, it's not. Well, it says it's a gift, though, doesn't it? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Remember that very first verse we read, John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John, so you need to realize that God loves you. You need to realize that we're all sinners, you and me. You need to realize that our sin has a, has a price that must be paid. But you also need to realize that God, through Christ, paid our price for sin on the cross. In fact, that's what it says. Look here. Jesus paid the price for your sin. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John, there's a couple of things in that verse I really want you to think about. Think about this. But God commendeth. That word commendeth, John, that means proved. So, but God proved his love to us. Remember that very first verse we read? For God so loved the world. Well, see, God proved that he loved the world. In what way? God proved that he loved us in that. So, so in this way, that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. And Christ died on the cross, John, with you in mind. And he died on the cross with me in mind. That this is why Christ went to the cross, for your sin and for mine. And that this is why Jesus died. Why? To pay the price for our sin. John, do you believe that? Yeah. Look at this. This is the last verse I'm going to show you. Ask Jesus to be your Savior. Look at this. Romans chapter 10, verse number 13. For whosoever, that's, a, that's kind of one of those big Bible words, isn't it? Yeah. But the word whosoever, John, all that means is it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what your religious experiences are. It doesn't matter what, you, doesn't matter what side of the tracks you grew up on. For whosoever, that just means anybody. For anyone who wants to. For anyone who wants to or whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Hey, John, do you know how to call upon the name of the Lord? That's probably not as easy as just getting your phone out and 1-800-JESUS, right? That's probably not how it happens. That word call, it just means ask. It means call or, or ask the Lord to be your Savior through prayer. And look what he says he will do. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say hopefully. It doesn't say might be. It says shall be. That's a promise from God, John. John, is God good for his promises? 
Yeah. Yeah. If God, if God makes a promise, John, that God is always good for his word. John, right now, God says, if you, even sitting here on this couch, in this living room, with all of our family here, who think you're a pretty bad person, if you would ask the Lord to be your savior, even right now, John, God says he would be willing to save you. So John, let me ask you a question. If God is willing right now to save you, forgive you of your sins, give you a place in heaven, if God were willing right now to do that, John, are you willing right now to ask God to do that? Is he saving me from death? He's not saving you from death. What's he saving you from? He's saving you from, from your sin. Remember these verses we use right here? For the wages of sin is death. Is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through mm -hmm. Jesus Christ our Lord. God isn't saving us from death. God is saving us from sin. You see, John, if I live the rest of my life out, guess what? I still die here on this earth, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm given eternal life, right? But that's how my father-in-law likes to say it. He likes to say it like this. Born twice, die once. Born once, die twice. That's a story from John chapter 3, where Jesus says that you must be born in this life, but you also must be born again by the Lord Jesus Christ. So that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ right now, God's willing to forgive you. It's like he's offering you new life. And then he forgives you and he gives you a home. He forgives you of your sin and he gives you a home in heaven with him. So John, if God were willing right now to save you. What do you mean die twice? Well, the Bible talks about this in Revelation, right? That there's, there's actually two deaths. There's death here on this earth, right? But then there's death and eternity, a separation from God in a place that the Bible calls hell. It's just, hell is where you go because of your sin, right? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18 that hell was created for the devil and his angels, not for you and for me, but those who have rejected the Lord through living out their own life, their own way, having sinned and disobedient to God, that that's where they go. I understand. So, John, let me ask you again. If God were willing right now to extend if God were willing right now to forgive you of your sin and give you a home in heaven, would you be willing right now to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes. And at that point, what I would do is I would lead John in a prayer. There's no, there's no magical prayer. There's no magical formula. There's no click your heels together. Poof, you're saved. That's not the way it is. It's just a simple prayer that would say, you know, asking the Lord to forgive me my sin. Lord, I'm coming to you. I ask you to forgive my sin. I realize what you've done. Through your son on the cross, God, I'm believing in you. Give me a home in heaven. Right? After that, we raise our heads. I share a few verses from the book of John, 1 John. The book of 1 John says that if you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, that you belong to him. And nothing can separate you from him now. Right? So I'd give him a few verses about assurance of salvation. And then I would tell John this. Now, John, since God was willing to save you, God was willing to give you a home in heaven. God is willing to forgive you of your sin. Well, don't you think it's important to learn more about God? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah I should definitely learn more about God. Well, you know, one of the ways we learn more about God is by going to church. And John, I want you to come to church with me. And, and, I, and, I, and I want you to learn and grow. And one of the first things I would tell you to read is read the book of John. Right? So in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, 
John. And the book of John is a book about God's love for us and his plan for our lives. Right? There's a couple of things you could do in this. A couple of things of application. Give John a round of applause. He did a good job, right? The chances are, chances are the person you talk to about the Lord will have a lot of questions. They'll have a lot of questions. If they have a lot of questions, that's great. If you want to answer their questions, answer them. If you don't want to answer their questions, don't answer them. That's a good question. And I'm going to put that question over here to the side. And as soon as we get done talking about the Lord, well, then we'll come back and we'll try to answer that question. Yeah, but why are, why are Christians this? And do aliens exist? And what happened at the beginning of the world? And what happens at the end of the world? And what about, right? And sometimes if you aren't careful, right, your family member, friend, coworker, man, you get talking about all kinds of things like aliens or end of the world stuff. It has nothing to do with believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Remember what Jesus said, except you become as one of the least of these, can't enter into the kingdom of God. You see, sometimes we, sometimes we complicate it. And by we, I mean us. But we make it more difficult. What does someone need to know in order to be saved? Here's what they need to know. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. That's it. It's so simple. Even a kid can do it. And unless you humble yourself, unless you become like the least of these, you can't do it. That's why Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into heaven. Why? Why is it easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to go into heaven? Because it requires that we humble ourselves. It requires that we humble ourselves. Okay. Humbling myself, and I'm believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of my sins. Home in heaven with him. Yeah, but isn't there more to know? Sure. There's a lot more to know. How many of you know there's a lot more to know in the Bible, right? How many of you know they're not going to learn it right there? They're not going to learn it right there. They're... They're going to need to grow now. They're going to need to grow. So a couple strategies. When somebody asks questions that's not pertinent to the part of the conversation that I'm having with them, what I, what I generally try to do is I say, that's a great question. And at the end, I will be more than happy to come back and try to answer that question for you. If that question is pertinent to the conversation, things like what John asked, well, save me from what? Save me from death? So I, so I live forever, right? Then I try to answer it right there as best as I can. If I do or don't answer it, this, this, is, this is what the Lord is doing in his heart. If John says at the end of that conversation, if John goes, eh, you know, I'm just not really comfortable doing it right now. Okay, great. Great. Man, the word of God's like seed, just sown into the heart. And John, I'm going to pray that you remember all those verses. I'm going to leave you with this track, and I don't want you to throw it away. But you just put it in your pocket, and you just keep it. And if you ever have any questions about that later on, I want you to give me a call about it. You say, well, do they ever call you back? Sometimes. And sometimes they don't. That's between them and the Lord. That's between them and the Lord. 
This is a wonderful way, wonderful reminder, especially this time of the year, in order for us to have courage, boldness, opportunities to share the gospel with our friends and family.